And here we go. Episode 71 of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. This is Eddie Cohn, host, creator, producer of The Spiritual Spiral. I'm really excited to welcome Diana Coconubo to the show. It's my second time having her on the show. And first, I was curious of curious of other podcasts have guests twice on the show. And the good news is they do. Sam Jones, Mark Marin, lots of podcasts have guests on a second time, maybe even a third. I think I'm going to try and have Deanna on every year because the last time she was on the show, she had just picture locked her short film. So I wanted to catch up with her because she showed me the film a few months ago, and it's amazing. It's still not done yet. It goes to show you how long, how arduous the process of creativity can be. I mean, I've been writing my book now for about 18 months, and I feel as though I might be writing it for at least another five years. Hopefully it'll be done soon. But I do get the sense that a lot of people sort of forget how challenging it can be to create If you're not an artist, I mean, writing a book, making a movie, a short story, a short film, making a record, I mean, these things take very often years to complete. And I think a lot of people don't really recognize the sheer will, focus, and energy it takes to complete a project. So I thought it would be really cool to have her back on the show and talk about that film or talk about her film. It's called Fernanda. She can be found on Instagram, by the way, at Diana Coconubo. I actually think her name is now Killing It with Killing It with Coco. K-I-L-L-I-N-I-T and then with and Coco. But it was just really cool to talk to her about the creative process, talk about Instagram and social media and talk about sort of that intimate process of creativity and how often it can take a long time to finish a project. And I think this show is also meant for artists to talk about the creative process and oftentimes how long it can take to finish a project. So don't be discouraged out there if you're working on a song or a record or a book and it's taking forever, it feels like, to finish because that's completely normal. Last thing before we listen to the show... I've thought of something new, or actually I was talking to a friend of mine. I So I have some interesting guests lined up, a couple other yoga teachers, but I'm going to have my first panel in a few weeks with three or four people in their early 20s talking about euphoria, the show, Instagram technology. And I wanted to talk to some millennials, maybe even Gen Zers, about tech, growing up from a very young age with technology already infused into your life. So I have thought about adding some different components to the show. And I also wanted to try something else. So I created this Patreon at patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn, which sort of allows listeners to get more involved in my show because the reality is, is that this show takes hours and hours of time and I'm trying to build the show and make it bigger and bring it to a bigger platform so I created a Patreon to get some people be, um, get some people behind the show. And you'll obviously get some perks by being a part of that. So I've come up with this idea. Whoever provides or donates the most amount of money on my Patreon for this coming week, and we'll see how this goes, I will reach out to you and ask you to be on the show for 15, 20 minutes, and we'll talk about 
your relationship with tech. If you think I'm insane, how I believe that Instagram and technology is completely transforming our brains, or if you think technology is great, I want to know how you, the listeners, feel and think about tech. And I'm getting tons of new followers and listeners from around the world, specifically Australia, London, France, Brazil, Romania, of all places. The company that hosts my podcast has been featuring me for the last few weeks, so I'm getting tons of new followers from around the world. So um, visit my patreon.com at patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn. Donate, contribute to the Patreon, whoever provides or donates the most for this coming week. I'll reach out to you. You can come on the show and we'll talk for 20, 30 minutes via Skype, and then I'll publish the conversation. I think I want to hear from as many people as possible about the impact of tech on your lives. Are you addicted? Can you not stop staring at your phone? I just think it's really an interesting conversation to have. So in addition to the guests that I have lined up over the next few weeks, I thought I would spread the platform out to my listeners and get you involved. So there you go. We'll see how it goes. But I'm excited to reach out to more people from around the world who are listening to the show and get you more involved and get you on the podcast. As always, if you dig the show, I say it a lot, but boy, head on over to iTunes, write a review, share the show with friends. If you dig a show, if you dig an interview, share it, pass it on to some friends. That's the way that this show gets more steam and gets more followers and listeners. Head over to iTunes. As I said, you can visit my Patreon at patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn. You can hit me up on Instagram, DM me, hit me up on Twitter. But that's it for now. Again, thank you so much for listening, being a part of the show. I think I'm going to have Deanna on once a year. And actually, one of the last thing I was thinking about, it's just, you know, Deanna was my first guest. And I went back and listened to it this past week, and I went back and listened to my first episode. And I thought I was not very good as a host. But you know something? It's okay if you're not good at something at first. My podcast at first, the sonic quality of it and the way I spoke and communicated, I wasn't quite sure what I was doing. And even when I spoke to Deanna for the first time, the interview is hysterical and Deanna's funny. <laughs> like, you need to go back and listen to my first conversation with Deanna because she's hysterical. But as a host... As a podcaster, I was sort of clueless with what I was doing. So it's exciting and fun to dive in. And even though you may be mediocre at first when you're starting something new or, or a new creative pursuit, you're going to get better. And I've certainly gotten a lot better. And it was just really cool to have Deanna back on the show. I really mean it when I, I say it. I really want to have her on like every year. She's hysterical, she's funny. And definitely go back to the first conversation I had with her about a year ago, because that one's hysterical. She tells some funny stories as well. So anyway, thank you so much for listening, for being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. amazing how much has changed over the last it's been a year it's been a year are you pregnant i feel like i might be but i'm definitely sadly not i'm certainly not (laughs) now you're sounding really good oh good nice and crisp (laughs) it is a little crisp
So I thought about having you on because when you, you were my first guest and are we already <laughs> recording? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so, um, <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing when you were there mm. that first time. Mm-hmm. And now, are you okay with, can you see me? Do you want me I to? I can like, I mean, I can see you. <laughs> you don't want to see me too much. <laughs> so yeah, so much has changed in my life over the last year. I went from having one follower um, to now five. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's huge. <laughs> but I wanted you back because I remember, and this is, this is you know, a creative theme show, Obviously, it has a social media vibe about it, but you were on the show because, and it happened to be the day that you picture locked your short film. Wow. I know, I'm bringing, yeah, you're not going to cry, are you? No, I won't cry yet. <laughs> we're not that deep yet. <laughs> but I, no, I was just more surprised that you actually can recall that because I listened to it maybe once and that was it for me, you know? Yeah. Well, I listened to it uh, 95 times. Right, because you're editing it. Yeah. For, no, I didn't edit then. Oh, excuse me. Well, you, you probably I just listened to it because to I it. was so impressed by your voice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but my point is, is that, so that was like a year ago. Yeah. Then about three months ago, maybe two, you posted something on Instagram about the film being, was it done? No. Well, what happened three months ago? And then you actually sent me the film. And I think you paid me a nice compliment. I'm positive I did. <laughs> I think that was very sweet. No, it was... I couldn't actually tell you what you said, but I know that um, it was really nice. And I'm trying to jog my memory here to recall what the words were, but uh, I can't. Well, I will tell you, I'm not going to read my email, but I have a Obviously, a better memory than you do. You no. do. I have a terrible. <laughs> but memory. I do remember the look, the editing, the story. You as an actor, I was really impressed because I'll be honest. Ninety nine percent of the stuff that I see, maybe not ninety, but a vast majority, when people send me stuff or I hear music or even stuff that I see on Netflix, a lot of times, it's, there's a lot of garbage. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and I say to myself, how did this stuff get picked up? Yeah. And when I saw it, I was, it was, there was clearly a lot of thought and it was clear to me that a lot of time was put into it. It was the acting and just the relationship with you and your spouse or boyfriend in it. Um, Yeah, it was really well done. And I sort of thought, oh, it's done. Oh, I remember now. I think you even actually sent me some composition. I I did. A rough composition. Yeah, because you mentioned that you needed music and the guy was going to charge you too much money. That's right. And so I just sent you a couple things like, hey, if you want me to do the music, just let me know. Where's the movie at now? Holy smokes. Like what's been ha- a long time. Well, that's only been like a few months since. I know, but, but it seems like an eternity ago. Yeah. I guess that's just the way it goes. But um, right now we are in the second draft of composition. And I found a young, up-and-coming composer, female, first-generation Mexican, who is doing it for us. And I think it's going to be really wonderful. So when, when you edit, there's no music. You know, when you're doing the sound, there's no music. When you're editing dialogue and SFX and all that, uh, SFX, 
anyway special, special effects, effects yeah. yeah you never really have music to tie it all together like you know one little piece at a time or one block at a time and so she sent over the first draft and i it's not perfect mm -hmm. but it was the first time that i really felt like holy smokes i have made something three-dimensional with yeah. the help of a lot of people yes but when you have that music it really amplifies emotion it really helps set the tone it it colors our experience as a viewer in a way that nothing else can and it's really fascinating that music notes can do that you know so i'm really excited where uh we sent over the first three minutes of notes because it's a lot you you know there's a look and Maybe she blinks her eyes and there has to be some kind of note or music to correspond to that. So it's really difficult to verbalize and sort of illustrate what I'm hearing in my mind and tell somebody how to do that, like with words. It's really crazy how, it's how really challenging that, yeah, how that process works because Nobody knows what's going on in my head, and I don't know what's going on in her head. And then our co-producer has a lot of musical uh, background. So she's like, yeah, like, ba -ba -ba -ba. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I don't even know what instrument that is. But yes, you yeah. know, it, it's it's really fascinating. And so long story short, I'm I think I said this before, and I keep saying, it, you know, you're very close, you're very close, but it it's still time and effort and just sheer commitment to finish this thing because at any point you could be like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I yeah. can't watch this anymore, you know? I've, I've seen it so many times. And then when you get somebody like yourself who is seeing it for the very first time and it impacts them even just for a moment, like that's why I think... I want to do this for a living, make movies, make an impact and tell stories that are of the time and have something to say. You know, like you're saying there, there is so much content out there right now that is meaningless, you know, and we're watching it and we're being fed all of this media in, in every moment, you know. But but what what does it all mean? What is it all for? Is it making us a better people? Is it making us see our disparities in our society? Is it making us more aware? I don't know. And I don't I don't that's not the kind of thing I want to produce, you know. I want I want to make meaningful change somehow. I didn't watch the Emmys, but I saw who won and, you know, Fleabag. Have you seen Fleabag? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then like Chernobyl and When They mm -hmm. See Us, um, Escape of Tanamora, Sharp Objects. So, I mean, there are things that do come through the pipeline that still blow me away. Absolutely. Sharp Objects was just incredible. I wasn't sure at first, but then like three or four episodes in, I 
because it was just sort of a, it moved slightly slow for me. And I don't like the mother that much as an actress, mm-hmm. but maybe it's because just her character drove mm-hmm. me so insane mm-hmm. that maybe it wasn't really just her acting. It was just her performance that really sure. irked me. So there are elements and there are shows that come through that still blow me away and it's encouraging to see, but I think, as you say, and we were just talking about earlier, there's just so much space to fill. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting. It almost felt like, and I even read an article about this, nobody knows what anybody saw. Right. Because there's so much. Yes. And 25 years ago, I mean, I didn't work in an office then, but, you know, they talk about water cooler talk. And you all knew that everybody saw the same episode of the Cosby show or like family ties last night, but you can't go to the office tomorrow and say what you saw because everybody's sort of everywhere. Everyone's on their own thing. And you know, you're constantly being attacked by all these different promotional things, um, advertisements or whatever, even just, on what I think we talked about this, like on Netflix, you know, what are you going to watch? You could sit, sit there forever and then somebody makes you a recommendation and then this person has their idea of what's really great. And then, you know, but, but I will say something like Chernobyl, good on them. You know, that I thought that was a really great thing to make. And I'm kind of fascinated with Eastern Europe and all that stuff. So yeah. And like World War II for many reasons. But um, what I'm trying to say is, at least the people that are making these award shows and, you know, I don't exactly who votes for the Emmys. Do we know that? I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, it's great to see that those quality productions are being highlighted, I suppose. Yeah. And I also think that, though, not everybody is going to watch Chernobyl. You know, it's for an elevated audience. It's for it's not for everybody. So. You know, you have a point in saying most people are not going to click that. I have an interesting question for you, and then I want to get more about to your movie. Okay. I found it really interesting in Chernobyl that the movie was clearly taking place in Russia. <laughs> and there were no Russian accents? They were No, not Russian accents. Everybody was speaking English. Yeah. Did you think about that? I did. That was one of the first things I actually thought of. And I was like, huh. And I was wondering before your point, if the producers actually thought Americans are don't have the patience or the intellect to actually sit through six episodes or however many it was with subtitles. So we're just going to dumb it down and have these quote unquote Russians to speak English. Throughout <laughs> it was the- super weird. I actually wish that they would have had at least some kind of Russian accent now, there's a show, and I, I do not remember the name of it, um, something about brothers. It takes place, I think, in in the Middle East, and it was. I turned it on, and it was all subtitles, and I have to admit that I, I couldn't get through the first episode. Yeah. Where is the balance? I think there should be some kind of balance. They could have had a nuanced... <laughs> Well, there were signs in the background that were in Russian. <laughs> exactly. It just was, I don't know. I just found that really interesting to it's me. It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, so what's, 
And I'm just interested in hearing about the process because I've been working on a book yes. for 18 months. Mm. And about in January, I gave it out. This is my first draft. And I was so excited about it. And I gave it out to like eight people. And you said it, your first draft? Yeah. I mean, it was like, <laughs> well, eight people. That's brave of you. Well, first of all, I gave it to too many looking back. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, eight I, people first draft. Well, well here's the thing. Of- I think I was so in this um, bubble. <laughs> bubble that I actually thought they were all going to like it. Yeah. And I quickly, within a month, realized it sucked. Mm. And I took six weeks off. Yep. And I, because this is a thing, you work on something for so long. I'm not getting paid for it right now. All of my, it is like a full time job, whether you're making a movie, making a record, um, writing a book. And it can very well suck. And so you go through it all. And so, my point is, is that after they, I, I sort of sucked my pride back and I <laughs> realized I need to put some more work in. Yeah. So what is sort of this process? Explain to me just sort of the undulations of the highs, the lows. And I mean, and here's the thing. How do you have objectivity mm. with something after working on it for, I guess you've been on this now for at least a couple of years. We're going on four years so, in April. I mean, how, how... <laughs> Do you... I mean, grit. I mean, to be like blase about it. Yeah, like grit and determination. And uh, But it is it is a love-hate relationship for sure. It's, you know, it's something like you're saying, you work on it and you pour every last ounce of your energy because you're probably um, working another job or doing this, that, just to, just to make it happen. And, you know, I will say at least writing a book, it is... You and your paper or your computer, you can kind of do it from everywhere, from anywhere, excuse me. Mm. But but when it's film, it's a lot more costly and you need a lot more people to get it done and you need favors and you're, you know, you're battling different creative forces until you finally find somebody who you can work with, especially as a first time filmmaker. So I have put this thing down for, like you said, six weeks. I've put it down for a couple months. I've I've completely given up and wanted to throw the whole entire hard drive away or hope that there was some kind of, you know, electronic failure just to say like, okay, I don't actually have to finish this. Right. Um, but I think part of what continues to drive me is the people that worked on it. You know, they deserve to see the work. I think the collaborative environment is what I really enjoyed most about being on set and working with these people who are craftsmen in their given field. You know, they are, especially a lot of the people we worked with were aspiring to be really great at their job and often working for nothing. So that has always kind of been um, in the front of my mind to finish it, you know, for them. And then also the the story itself, I think, needs to be told. And, you know, I'm, I'm my biggest critic. You know, I took on this huge project that 
I had no idea what I was doing, but I've learned a tremendous amount. I mean, now I can like, I can do a self tape or record something and then I can edit it right on my computer. And I feel pretty confident that what I've done is pretty darn good because I've sat through hours and hours and hours of my own editing. Also watching my editor brush up what I did, you know? So the willingness to learn and be open to fail, although there is nothing more scary than having somebody criticize your work. Yeah. And and I fear that, even though I know that what I've done is something that most people will never do. And also, nobody can take that from me. You know, I think oftentimes as actors, we feel at the behest of everyone else. I don't even know if that's a good way of saying that. Or we feel like we are subject to somebody else's approval constantly. And so setting out on this making of this film was was really about me taking control of my art and what I think I can con- contribute, uh, you know, as a as a very green filmmaker. So it's really hard. And yeah. it's really hard to have somebody watch it because it's so easy to criticize. You know, it is so easy for us to watch something and say, oh my God, no, that's bad. You know, but you don't know what has gone into making something. And and ultimately, it doesn't matter because we live in a world today where it's either a like or a not like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like oh God. you can put all of your eggs in one basket and do this thing, whether it's writing a book or making a film or writing a song or anything. And, and it's not, ultimately it's not up to you whether anybody is going to like it or not, but I think it is up to us and it is on us to, to do it for the love of doing it. And then I think the rewards will come, you know, I have to believe that anyway, because <laughs> I, yeah. I, I don't have a choice. No, I know. I've, I've put everything I have into this thing. And I, I hope that somebody, I just need one person to see it and say, wow, who, who is that? What is that about? I'm sorry, it's not perfectly done. And I don't quite understand the story, but maybe we can talk about it. Let's develop it into a feature film. Do you have any other ideas? What is your next story you want to tell? You know? That's what I'm ultimately looking for. And I don't know if I said it a year ago, but I'm making my own door. Yeah. Because I don't have anybody opening a door <laughs> for me. So right. I'm just making it myself. read in something really interesting where we put the best thing to do is just to finish it and then just move on to the next thing like the reality is is that I mean look I'm glad that my friends told me nicely that this needs more work (laughs) and it's an important um, it's look it's a give and take but I think after a while I was listening to this one person talking about, look, just get it done because the next one's going to be better. Yeah. And then the next one's going to be better. And 
everybody else out there just keeps releasing stuff. So what are you waiting for? Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I've sworn off filmmaking after this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm never making another movie in my life ever again. This has been one of the hardest things I've ever ventured to do. And then we were just watching it. And for the first time, I got to see it on 60 inch on a 60 inch screen. And I was like, whoa, we made that literally from nothing, from an idea on a piece of paper and a drawing, a sketch that I had made of like what I want the scene to look like. And it's now a moving picture on a TV and there's a story that kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, <laughs> <Great>. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So if I can do that, imagine what I can do with a little bit of support. You know, I think ultimately that's where a lot of artists and creators fail. You know, there's a disparity of opportunity, really, because once you're in, you're in. But how do you get in? You know, I think that's the biggest quandary of all. Well, I think you need to, not you specifically, one needs to foster now as many relationships yeah, as possible. And I'm really bad. I think you're really not good at that. I think that is almost as important as being good at your craft. Yeah. I, I have two pieces of advice that I'm thinking of, and not that I'm in any sort of place to give advice, but I am thinking about knowing who to show your work to that's going to be objective. Ideally, I almost feel like the reason why it was a good idea to show me your film, mm -hmm. because I don't make films, mm -hmm. but I do understand how hard it is to make something. Yeah. And so I think it's important to find people like that. Yeah. Because first of all, they're going to be sensitive to knowing how to like say something negative if they have to, but they're all, yeah, but they're also going to be like, whoa, that's not easy to do. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I was so impressed. But then I think the other lesson that's really important is relationships now, mm -hmm. because there's just so many people now that are creating and they're, they do this for YouTube or that for Hulu or whatever. And I mean, I'm just putting my, name out there, just sort of reaching out who knows literary agents. And I can't believe how many random people I know. So believe me, like when it's done, I'm feel like I'm sort of setting myself up. Yeah. And I think as you, I mean, I imagine your film's going to be done soon. Yeah. Hopefully in the next two months is my goal. I really feel like, and again, I don't think it's a conscious thing that you do, but maybe it is subconscious where you need to start reaching out or sort of Maybe even, I don't know. I mean, you created an Instagram for it and I don't know why you did, but are you thinking about like how you're going to release this thing or? So I have to do a little funding. Um, oh, that's right. So I can actually get it into festivals. So that is on a sort of the to-do list, well, if you will. Tell me though, because I don't know, like if you tell me what you need to do, to get something at a festival. Yeah. So essentially you submit it. Okay. With whatever the fee is for a submission. How much does that normally run? Anywhere between, I, I would say 40 to 100. Okay. A pop. So I'm hoping to submit to 
I would like to submit to 20. Can you submit to any that you like? At me, yes and no. This film is a little longer for some short film programs, but technically a short film is under 45 minutes. We're coming in at about 15 yeah. minutes. So that does disqualify us from certain film festivals, but there are plenty out there. There are so many. And really, again, the idea is to get it out there and see what happens, you know? Um, and then I'll do like a, I'd like to do a showing in LA. Um, it would be really cool to get it in an actual theater and, you know, invite as many people who can make it. And then I also have a contact in New Hampshire, which is where I'm from in Manchester. Uh, they're opening an old theater. It's called the Rex theater. I think it has 300 seats. Mm -hmm. And I was at my elementary school and speaking to some of the teachers that I had known since I was literally like seven years old and discussing it with them. Long story short, they know the mayor of Manchester. And, uh, so it is, you know, networking and, and speaking your truth and being honest about it. They were, in, like that night, that teacher had like dinner with the mayor and mentioned it. And the mayor's like, great, like, let's let's show it. So that would be really, really crazy. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to fill 300 seats. And the teacher was like, oh, we're going to fill 300 seats. Don't you worry about it. You know, yeah. so people get really get really get excited about things like this. We will see. We will see. But I also think. People don't realize how much stuff, for lack of a better word, costs. It's insane. And I do track this back to Napster and sort of music. The Once people expected to get music for free or for $9, it was just a matter of time. And I even predicted this, but obviously my podcast wasn't around. But I even thought this like 10 years ago. I guarantee people are going to want to go to art shows for free. They're not going to want to pay as much money for movies. They're just going to want everything for free mm. or these sort of monthly subscriptions, similarly to movie pass or whatever yeah. the hell it was called yeah. Netflix. And it makes people that aren't being funded by a huge distribution company or a studio, which is, let's face it, like 95% of artists, maybe even higher, they are lacking the funds to, I mean, you need at least ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 to make a short film, a record. At least. At least. I at mean, and that's least. like lowballing it. And, and then to release it yeah. and like create this. Well, then it's like the marketing, you know, I have to have a poster and I have to have this, that, and the other thing. And you know, I really am pretty fortunate in the sense that I can learn to do it all myself. Yeah, but <laughs> only it takes me four years to get it. Well, yeah, <laughs> and I mean, so at, at a certain point, you know, you have to you have to pay to play. Well, and that's what's so frustrating is that because of what's happened, they just sort of they being the the manipulators of the world or whoever is sort of above us looking down and controlling the world and how it's being run, they just expect artists to do everything now. Right. And I was talking to this guy, Jimmy, for my show, and he's just like, fuck that. I, I'm, I'm here to write my music, do a kick-ass show. Of course, I'm going to say hello to my fans and I'll 
sign autographs and meet them backstage and do all of that stuff that they want me to do. I'm happy to do all of that. But for me to spend hours on Instagram and this and that and coming up with this and posters and it's like you are taking, there's only so much time in a day. There's only so much time in a day. Yeah, you're right. It, It is a lot. And oftentimes, you know, going back to the challenge of being an actor, when you speak to somebody about it, oh, what are you doing? You know, people want you to be in classes. People want you now to make content of your own. And to do so, I mean, it's it's just a very expensive endeavor. Yeah. And, or, and or you do it and the product looks like shit. Last question about the film. So, in a perfect world, what's going to happen? In a perfect world... One other thing, actually, before the perfect world question. Why is it taking so long, though, from... Can't... Is... Can't you just get the music done what's what is she just not quite figure, figuring figuring no, no, it out no. or? she she got on the project about a month ago and she wrote i think it's about 11 minutes of music and so then it's a, just a timing thing to be honest with you so yeah. i went to new hampshire for two weeks you know it's life 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 and then yeah. you know you got to sit down and a part of me is like, I've seen this so many times. Do I really have to watch it again? And really like the amount of focus that it takes to sit there and think about a single note and what that sounds like to make it pop. It's a lot of brain power, to be honest with you, when you're not accustomed to that. I don't want to say it's a lack of effort, but I think a part of it is maybe you start to doubt yourself and you just allow time to elapse. And then you realize it's been three weeks and you haven't gotten the notes to her or, yeah, you know, I mean, there, it, it's, it's part of the human condition as well. You know, I'm, I'm no better than anybody else in that sense. And I can procrastinate like the best of them. So, um, well, I, think- I think it's a mix of a lot of different <laughs> factors and to, and to put it on one thing I think would be unfair, but at the end of the day, it does come down to me. Yeah. Well, I think it was a testament to, and this somehow you avoided it because when something takes so long, it's so easy for it to spiral down that sort of mushy, messy place where it's just a mess and you've worked on it for too long. It lacks focus and that so easily happens the the longer you work on something because there's just there's too much of your head is involved. Yeah. But somehow you avoided that. And I'm not saying that flippantly. I'm saying because maybe not some but some way you were managed to you managed to through all of those doubts and the month off and two months off and I guess it's talent or focus or something or somehow you were able to manage it to still become clear. And feel like a movie. Yeah. And I don't know how you did that. I don't know either. Yeah. No, because <laughs> because I, mean, I don't really know how we did it at all. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I mean, I know, and I think what I can say to be more specific and precise about it is 
when we pre-produced the film, there was a very clear idea of where we were going. And so the ship was always going in the right direction. It's just setbacks and different events that have stalled the process. But I think it really speaks to the fact that whatever you do, you got to have a plan. You know, you have to kind of have an idea of how you're going to do it. And then things, I think, just naturally fall into place. You know, being prepared is something that has really helped this particular project. But I think it it really speaks to everything you do in your life. If I didn't have a plan and if I hadn't pre-produced the project, then it probably would be a big fat mess. (laughs) Yeah. You know, because like you're saying, it's a lot of different moving parts. Ultimately, when we were speaking about your book, you said, I think it's going to be really good. You just have a gut feeling about something. And I just have a gut feeling that this is going to be the next step. You know, it's the next building block in my personal history as a creator, actor, um, producer, because that's ultimately what I've done. I have single-handedly produced this piece of art, yeah. you know, and there, and there's a point too, where you have to be a little bit softer with yourself and be less judgmental on what you've done. And I have a very hard time doing this because I'm very much like, it's been four years. How have I not finished it? You know, I've been around the world and back and, and it's still not done. But then people are like, look at what you have done, you know, give yourself some kind of credit and acknowledge that most people would never even venture to do it in the first place or to have the balls to finish it. We are not trained any longer or educated to really finish things. Everything's just kind of like wishy-washy, whatever, whatever, do it half-assed. And and maybe I'm of just before that generation where, you know, you did something and you finish it. Yeah. So maybe I got away with that because I grew up in a different time, you know, a time without distractions and cell phones and, you know, as a child, I mean, you know what I mean? Like you played outside, you were in touch with nature, you played sports, you were active, you know, I think I'm, I'm naturally very competitive in nature. And so whatever it's going to take, I'm going to finish, I'm going to cross that finish line. I don't care how long it takes. Yeah. The last thing I'll say is that You know, if you're really creating, then there is no time cap. There's no, I mean, yeah, I'm going to finish it. But I think what I'm trying to say is when a sculptor is sculpting, he's not thinking about time necessarily, probably. Maybe back in the day, I'm being a little romantic about it. But he did it because he loved it, you know, And, and he took like 30 hours on the one pinky toe to make it perfectly human, you know, and there's something so beautiful about that, that we don't have that kind of time anymore. So I don't really know where I'm going with that, Eddie, but. Well, I'll respond by saying that I think, and then I want to ask you about social media and then I'll let you go. 
I think, I don't know if it's because of social media or the world we live in, but I want nothing more than somebody to, I want nothing more than to have my book in my hand and hand it to you. Like, I love the process of creating. It's awesome. But part of me, it's not that I'm doing it at all for attention, but I want people to read what I just fucking spent like two years on. And it may actually be three by the time I get get a publisher because I'm not, I'm doing it because I'm, there's this sort of creative pull that's happening inside my brain or mind. And I don't know. It's just, that's just how ideas happen. You think of something. So I think that's, I don't mean to put words into your mouth here, but I'm sure nothing would make you happier than sitting in a theater or being in a room with 25 people and they're all watching your movie. Oh, yeah. I'll be shitting my pants, pacing back and forth in the back. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's going to be the most amazing feeling and I will definitely be crying and I probably maybe won't even be able to get there (laughs) without a couple shots of tequila. Um, But yeah, that, that feeling of having people watch your work and and you yourself see it come to full fruition. I mean, I can only imagine what that really actually feels like. These so, earmuffs, they're killing me anyway. You do know, they hurt? Need a little you can break. soften it a little bit. No, it's okay. I'm teasing you. Um, <laughs> so... Obviously, social media theme show, how it's, I love how you, I still say this thanks to you. What did I say? Because a year ago, you said to one of your friends, oh, I'm going on to a, a friend's podcast, how, and it's about how Instagram is ruining the world. Oh, yeah. Well, I've, I've used that. I keep saying it, and I like it. And because, have you seen the show Euphoria? Yes. Duh. Well, I just saw it like a month ago. And to me, and this will be sort of our segue into social media and how, and and I've noticed you don't post much anymore because I think, and Meredith sort of talked about it and I thought about this with euphoria. I think I know one of the main problems Mm. living your life. Well, there's two things and then I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. No matter what, if you went to work or you had your day you went home, no matter how good your day was, mm-hmm. and this is pre-smartphone, pre no matter how shitty or bad your day or good your day was, there was a sense of community when you got home and your parents had mm. the potential to teach lessons, talk about family values, you know, manners. But now when people go home, it's even more chaotic than when you're at work because at work you're kind of somewhat focused because you have to make money. But so now when you go home where the place that used to be the sort of the place of calmness and feeling centered, that's not happening anymore Mm -hmm. because people are either looking at Snapchat or Facebook or Instagram or watching this show on Netflix. Everybody in the family is all over the place. Sure. So the chaos has ensued. Yes. And then What's happening is that people are actually now creating two lives. And it's already hard to manage your own life. <laughs> so you've actually, are, there are two versions of everybody now. And people emotionally are impacted by the fake life Ugh. more than the real life. So that is why we have the, the mental 
breakdowns, the depression, the addiction, anxiety, all because people don't know how to do all of this. And I've noticed, so, I mean, your thoughts, and then I want to ask you a question. Yeah. I mean, I think that you mentioned that I've kind of stopped posting. um, And I think a part of that is, you know, you have to kind of reel it in sometimes and take now, it's not to say that I'm not on Instagram, which is what I need to improve, but I don't think that sharing every little piece of my life is of value to anybody else or to me. Because if I post something and I don't get enough likes or I'm like, oh my God, only like 30 people liked my business. What the fuck is that? What is the point of that? It doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't make me a better person. It's not enriching society. So, you know, I think we are overwhelmed and inundated with images that are meaningless and silly. And we're really, I think, forgetting as a culture. Now, I I don't know what how Europe is with Instagram. I have no idea what other cultures are doing. If it's just all if if the entire planet is on Instagram, <laughs> what what are we actually doing to better ourselves from the inside? Yeah. You know, when are we taking time to be silent and quiet and or maybe have nothing on or listen to sonic waves or, you know, something I do when I sleep is I'll listen to like, we live in LA, it never rains. So I'll listen to like a thunderstorm sound through my Google home or whatever, instead of having this noise, you know, it's just a bunch of noise. And, you know, I, I parked my car the other day, I live in Venice and I parked my car and I said to myself, I'm going to walk without my phone. I'm going to put my phone in my purse and I'm just going to walk. And it was really, it was two things. I really enjoyed the experience of walking and hearing and really taking it, especially after my composition um, exercise where we had to go through the notes where like every sound means something on film. Mm -hmm. I was like super hyper focused on sounds, you know, and I would say 99.9% of people were walking with their head down, nearly getting run over by a car or a biker or a skateboarder or somebody on a bird. (laughs) And there was no human contact. There was nobody saying, hi, how are you? Yeah, it's gone. Or, you know, what a great day. You know, there's, there's no communication happening face to face anymore and it's all done through this small device that i think is actually giving me carpal tunnel or arthritis (laughs) (laughs) i swear yeah um so if we don't it's like global warming it's like if we don't change and redirect and re-educate and really bring true value back to the basics. People don't value books anymore. People don't value, like I said, being outside or extra. I mean, yes, I'm, I'm making blanket statements, but. Well, I don't even think they're aware that they're outside with an ocean next to them. Yeah. There's no, right. There's no value on the actual thing. It's, it's like, what does it look like 
on my phone or what does it look like to the world? I'm, I appear to be having the best time of my life, but are you actually taking the time to stop, look, listen, smell, hear? You know, our senses, I think, are just really It's overwhelmed by our off. sight. Our, the vision is taken over. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting about you is that and I don't know if it's because you were just anxious about talking to me a year ago and it was just weird just doing this for the first time, but it felt as though you were really caught up in the world of social media. Did it? Yeah, there was just like, there was just sort of this like frantic energy to you. Mm. And I don't feel that. Mm. And I, in this weird sort of way, I just wonder if it's because you're more aware or you've you've sort of let go of caring about getting feedback from a social media platform. It feels as though you've taken a step back from it. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm honestly, I'm getting back into my body more. Hmm. And for me, that has always been sort of a, um, a meter or a measure of how I feel. Um, what do you mean getting more into your body? Well, I'm really into Tom Brady's plasticity. I don't know if you What's know that? anything about it. No. So it's it's essentially his way way of treating his body um, to elongate the muscles, tendons, ligaments, joints, and to create a more pliable, sort of malleable body for better movement. So. I've really only been doing it for like a week, but I I feel clearly even transformed. I feel really, uh, I feel like hope. You're six two now. Yeah, I'm much taller. No, but how does one like what does this entail? If you're fortunate enough to live in Foxborough or Boston, there's like a TB12 center where you can go and actually get body work done. But the idea is to, from what I understand, like don't quote me on this. I'm not an expert, but. you essentially engage and release the muscles and then you you create like friction, so self-massage or with like a, a foam roller. They, mm-hmm. they have like a whole line, but I've actually been doing it with a, a pasta roller, like a, a dough roller, like really oh, sure. deeply rolling and especially because I wait tables, so my legs are shot. And so that's part of it. And then also getting back into my yoga practice and finding a place where I feel... At home, um, I, I practice at Light on Lotus, and it's in Mar Vista. Okay. And I just feel really great in the space. And, you know, I think once you find a place where you can practice and it feels right, then then you want to show up to your practice more often, and you want to, you know, honor, honor that time um, and take the time. So that's been really wonderful, and also going to the gym. So... I, th- I don't know if we discussed this, but, you know, I, I believe that yoga is the gateway to mental balance and a certain level of physical clarity, if you will. But I think I've always had a very athletic background. So mixing it up has been, re- and I think you had mentioned this mm-hmm. uh, or in one of our talks that that it's important to stay available and and 
do some kind of cross training. So I do enjoy going to the gym and uh, if nothing else, it's wonderful people watching, but talk about the social social media trap that a gym is, especially where I go to. Hmm. Which, which one do you go to? Gold's oh, Venice. Wow. Yeah. I mean, everybody's on their phone. Everybody's taking a video. I mean, I don't even know when these people actually are working out. I'm just kidding. But no, they- but you're right. I remember going to, when I was in New York on vacation last year, I was at the Equinox working out and everybody was doing ab work, ab, ab work <laughs> while looking at their phone. Is yeah. this insane? Is this insane? I will but- say apparently at Equinox though, you cannot be on your phone. You can like be on your Instagram, but you actually can't physically speak on the phone. Oh, well, it's nice that they've done that. Apparently, that's that's a rule there. Is this normal behavior now? Is this like just how it is? I think it is. I think it's par for the course. And I'm not like a a Luddite trying to resist. I certainly use technology. I will keep posting when I... I think the great thing about having a podcast is that I can post something about it. And I don't have to post a freaking photo. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't have to post photos now. And and two, you know, there is value in conversation and communication. And I think as different as it is speaking you here, speaking to you here, like into a microphone and with a headset on and all that stuff, we're still having a conversation and there is value to that. And I hope that people do continue to listen to your podcast and... You know, you get a trillion, bazillion, quazillion followers. Yeah. <laughs> well, you started it all. You were the first guest. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, cheers. Kudos to you for, for sticking it out and seeing it through. Yeah. You know, because it's not easy. Oh, I even wrote, you know, listen to the one with Meredith because okay. of the beginning. Pete, this is time consuming. It's incredibly time consuming. Now, look, I still believe that. As a writer, I am sort of creating something here. Mm-hmm. You know, I want the book, and I want to write another one. And then he has the podcast, and he's got a personality, and he clearly has a point of view. I mean, that's the other thing. You need to have a point of view. Yeah. People are so scared to have a point of view now. They just want to be liked all the time. Mm-hmm. And I bumped into a woman at a, a yoga party on Saturday, and she's like, you know, I listen to your podcast. I don't really agree with you. But I think 10 years ago or five years, I would have been like, oh, no. But who cares? Yeah, great. You don't like it? Don't so listen. what? <laughs> but, but, it, she, but then she said, but it's really thought-provoking, so I'll keep listening. But I think it's okay to, you know, everybody just wants to fit in and be liked and, and be um, looked at and, and fit. It's just so silly. Yeah, I think now is the time to be different. And to take a stand and have an opinion and to have the backbone to stand by that, you know, and at least you've said your piece. Yeah. You know, at least maybe one person out there is going to say, you know what, maybe I could do that. Maybe I should write that book that I've been meaning to write or why don't I just try to make that movie or whatever, you know, just just do it. And I think in closing, why I don't like just accepting things for how they are. Mm. We've just all accepted that we're supposed to post on Instagram every day and we're supposed to post like 20 to 30 Instagram stories or else the thing didn't actually happen. Mm. You go on vacation and you're supposed to do this and that and, and that's just how it is. And I just think that's insane. 
Yeah. I don't know. We all want to share the experience, but are we really even experiencing it ourselves? And I am 100%, you know, I don't want to say a victim of it. I think I said that the last time I was here, but I'm definitely, you know, that happens to me oftentimes too. And I'm like, well, let me, let me, I got to put this phone down. I mean, it's on fire. It's hot. Like this thing has been overworked. It is. And it's, and it's not as simple as just posting the photo. You're right. Because then it's how many who liked would they say? And then you're back on the who's phone. watching my story? And that yes. really, once once I found out that you can see who's watching your story, I was like, oh, spend half your day making sure this, that, and the other saw your story. So sometimes you just get to say, knock it off. It's so dumb. Just knock yeah. it off. Pick yeah. up a book. What are, you, yeah. what are you reading right now? It's possible I'm not reading anything because I'm so absorbed in writing. Good. I mean, I have like five books that people have recommended, but I'm I'm not reading anything. Mm. I'm just writing, mm-hmm. and I'm torturing myself through that process. Good. It's torture. It is literally torture. I know. It's, I know. It is human torture. Yeah. And I think that is the gift of being an artist because if we didn't do that, what would we be doing? Yeah. We would be on our phone. So, <laughs> the name of the movie. Fernanda. Fernanda, that's right. Fernanda. And then, um, gosh, why did you... You can actually follow my yoga page too, uh, Rogue Yogi Venice, I think yeah. it is, something like that. You are teaching yoga? Yes, I teach in the oncology department at St. John's Hospital in Santa Monica. And Normally, I would suggest people to go to places to take... I know, you But can't. we don't want them to be there. No, you, you don't want to be there, but... For those that are there, it really gives them a chance to... Yeah, it's beautiful. To, uh, again, back to like plasticity and uh, movement, you know? So for these people, they could never really go to a level two, three class, nor would I ever recommend them to. They're going to completely fail and, and feel worse off. And so this is a place where predominantly women who are living with, in treatment, or are survivors of cancer can come and enrich their lives, build their confidence, and lessen anxiety and depression and fear and and breathe. And really, that's what it's about. And I think, you know, I think it's, it's something that... I would love to see more in public classes as well because it's not all about the postures. The postures really come second to the sense of stillness and balance and quiet and peace and awareness that you can get from yoga. It is it is fantastic and it, it really has changed my life uh, for the better. And I have a long way to go because I can't do a handstand yet and I'm worried about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Fuck the handstands. Yeah. It's good to have you on again. Thanks, Eddie. I feel like the only way we're actually going to talk is I if know, it's is through this is being weird recorded. spit mask. Yeah. <laughs> spit mask. No, I'm really excited for you. And this is really, really wonderful. And I, I commend your, your um, determination, too, and your commitment to this thing that you set off to do. Yeah. The downward facing spiral, baby. Downward facing spiritual spiral. Spiritual spiral. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's really like growing and it's I know. becoming It's exciting. Um one day you're gonna have a studio where they're gonna have 
some kind of airflow. <laughs> Dan- dancing girls. <laughs> and dancing girls. Well, and- I'm we have teasing. we have central air. No, I know, I know, I, I know. But you're right. I'm, I'll, it'll have to be um, completely silence air. Yeah, yeah. They have, those. but it, you know what it does? It sort of creates. Um, it's like a character. The temperature of the yeah. room is sort of a thing of its in of, itself. Uh, in of do itself. most people sweat in here? Most people comment about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude. <laughs> yeah. So it's good. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been a pleasure, and um, thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you.